Welcome back to Bible Love. This It's Thursday when this is coming out, but we are recording on Wednesday, December 6th, which if you know your Christmas or know your liturgical calendar, is the feast day of St. Nicholas, that jolly old fellow. And so it, he was a real guy. He was the Bishop of Myra. Wonderful story. Legend has it. He punched out heretics when he got in fights with them. Really interesting. Um, but we do have a collect for him as we celebrate him today. So let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, that your church may be so inspired by the example of your servant Nicholas of Myra, that it may never cease to work for the welfare of children, the safety of sailors, the relief of the poor, and the help of those tossed by tempest of doubt or grief. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, yay, Dr. Tony's here to talk about Ezekiel, and I just have to tell y'all this quick little story before we start, because I think y'all will enjoy this. So Saturday, I was doing a funeral, and this couple comes up to me, and they live in Greenville, and they go to Christ Church Greenville, and they were like, we know you because of the podcast. I, who knows how they found it, but they did. But the husband said, I wish it was more than 25 minutes because um, I work out and that's what I listen to when I'm working. <laughs> and, I, and he was like, and I love it when Dr. Tony comes on and blah, blah, blah. And it was just so like, sometimes, you know, we do this every week and it can get tiring. Yeah. And it's just like so good to hear that, that people really enjoy it and they actually want more of it. So yeah. So we'll be here awesome. for two hours today. So that guy, <laughs> time yeah. in or- but what a great idea. I'm getting my body in shape and, yeah. and I'm uh, renewing my spirit. Awesome. That's lovely. I thought it was really great. Well, um, and I, you know what? I listen to you guys while I walk. So I, that's a similar. I'm sure this guy works out harder than I do. But well, that's the beauty of a podcast, right? Is that you can listen in the car, you can listen while you're, right. you know, doing your dishes, you can listen while you're. Um, working out, which I don't do. So, you know, I'm impressed with all those people that do that. And I think it's awesome. So I just thought that was a cool story and great story. Like shows that this is important to people. So Tony, we are so thankful you're here and I'm just going to shut up and learn from Dr. Tony about Ezekiel. So great to see you guys. Happy Advent. I wish the two of you and to the listeners a very joyful Christmas, because this will be the last time I'm with you until then, until after then. So, well, you know, to understand the message of these prophets, we need to know something about the context, uh, what's going on politically or historically, religiously. Uh, Listeners, you'll remember that uh, there are three united kings, three kings over the united monarchy after Solomon, the monarchy divides. The northern kingdom of Israel ceases to exist in 722 BCE. The Assyrians conquer Israel and it never exists again. Babylon hangs in there. I mean, uh, sorry, Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, hangs in there another century and a half. But almost the whole time they are a vassal state to Egypt or Babylon. 
or um, Syria, one of the major world powers. Well, around 600 BCE, Egypt and Babylon are vying to become the major world power in the ancient Near East. And the kingdom of Judah thinks they're so occupied with each other, we can kind of sneak away from being a vassal state. We can assert our independence. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon does not take well to this idea. He sends his ferocious army in 597. After a long siege, Jerusalem falls. He sacks Jerusalem. He carries away the spoils of war and He carries away 10,000 inhabitants of Judah, among whom are the king, Jehoiachin, and a man named Ezekiel, who has not yet become a prophet. So 597, Ezekiel goes to Babylon. Ten years later, 587, after another attempt by Judah to assert its independence, Nebuchadnezzar comes back, and this time Babylon destroys Jerusalem, destroys the temple, And really, that's the end, formally, of the political state known as the Kingdom of Judah. In between those deportations, around 593 BCE, Ezekiel gets his call and becomes a prophet. So the most unique thing about Ezekiel is he is the only Hebrew prophet whose calling and entire prophetic career take place in a foreign country, in Babylon, not in Israel or Judah. Really interesting. Like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel tells us about his call experience. His is the longest. He gives us the most detail and and, and the lengthiest version of his call experience. Um, He he has this vision. And and by the way, one of the things we're going to see in Ezekiel is features of apocalyptic literature. Christians will think of the book of Revelation. But this kind of bizarre imagery, these creatures that are part human and part animal and part angel, Ezekiel, other than Daniel and Revelation, give us more of this kind of apocalyptic flavor than anybody else. But but the vision is that way. In the heavenly sphere, there is this dome, brightness, gleaming, jewels, fire, And we see right away in the call experience one of Ezekiel's themes, and that is the otherness of Yahweh. God is beyond. God is beyond words. God is beyond human comprehension. So notice the language the prophet uses. It seemed like it was as if it appeared to be. He has all of these qualifiers because words cannot describe God. Right. This vision with all of this brightness and fire and jewels and all the colors of the rainbow, Ezekiel says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. You know, it's just as close as he could come to putting it into words. Uh, I really appreciate that about Ezekiel. I've noticed that before because I struggle with the words to describe God. Um, I think God is so much bigger than anything we could ever understand or speak or anything. And I have noticed that before with Ezekiel. And then when I was preparing for today, I started thinking about that again. And I really appreciate that, that he's human. And he's saying, I can't describe this. Yeah. Here's my best shot. Yeah. Yeah. The The voice from the glory says, son of man, 
93 times in the book of Ezekiel, God addresses Ezekiel as son of man. It's a, it's a Hebrew or Aramaic idiom, and it, and it means human, you're son of a human being. But, it, but when spoken by God, it means human with an appropriate sense of humility. Mm-hmm. God is God, and we are not. <laughs> um, but, but God says, Son of man, you are to speak my word to the people, and to be clear, the message of, is of divine origin. Uh, Ezekiel introduces God's words with, Thus says the Lord. And in this call vision, there's a scroll with writing on the front and the back, which represents Yahweh's message. Ezekiel is instructed to eat the scroll. He's internalizing the message. It's sweet like honey, which probably is because in this culture, honey was considered something that gave you nourishment, that revived you. Ezekiel has passed out from the presence of God. Uh, But God warns Ezekiel, it's not going to be easy. The people are obstinate. God says they have uh, a hard head and a stubborn heart. Uh, so it's not it's not going to be easy. But at the end of the call experience, God says, you are like a sentinel, a watchman, a guard standing on the gate who looks for the enemy coming in the distance. Uh, so that's a great metaphor for the prophet But these very heavy words, God says, if you tell the people my message and they ignore you, then their blood is on their own hands. Mm -hmm. But if you do not speak my message, then their blood I will require at your hands. I mean, it is it is sober uh, and 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 heavy. It's 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 a weighty, uh, weighty responsibility. Yeah. That would that would freak me out. Was, <laughs> yeah, that's well, a lot of responsibility. <laughs> we've talked a little bit about. We've seen a little bit of this in the other prophets. That not only do they say things to represent the message of the Lord, but they do things. These prophetic actions. No prophet is more remembered for prophetic actions than Ezekiel. Some of them seem pretty straightforward. Ezekiel dig a hole in the wall of your house and get your suitcase and walk through the hole. Well, that symbolizes the people are about to go off into exile in Babylon. Others of them are um, more striking or more difficult. Uh, Shave your head and your beard. Alan, you're halfway there. Shave your head and your beard and take a third of the hair and chop it up. Take a third and burn it and take a third and scatter it to the wind. Because when Jerusalem falls, some people are going to die in the fire. Some people are going to be killed by the sword. And some people are going to be scattered into exile. The most personally weighty of the prophetic actions, Ezekiel's wife dies. And God says to Ezekiel, you may not grieve. You may sigh in your spirit, but you may not sigh aloud. And the message is that when the exile comes, there won't be the opportunity to stop and grieve and do the funeral rites. But what a painful, uh, painful prophetic action for Ezekiel to have to, to carry out. Yeah, I remember studying it in seminary and thinking, 
golly, God, that's not very nice. Like that's, I mean, because, and I mean it, like that's, how can a human do that? You know, how can they not grieve? How can they not hurt? You know, um, and I understand the reasoning behind it and I get it, but it, it just feels like something that's not possible because but, we have these emotions in ourselves and these and, and it connects it connects Ezekiel to Jeremiah. There is a there there was a cost to being a prophet. And this is, I think, Ezekiel's cost. There well, always is a cost though to be in a prophet, to be in a leader, to be in a you know, whatever yeah. it is that you choose to do. I mean, sometimes I think or you feel called to do. Sometimes I think, really, God, you wanted to call me to this because Sometimes there's a big cost to it, you know. And, and Jesus, Jesus is very upfront about that. Count the cost. You know, a king who's going off to battle doesn't just go willy-nilly. He says, all right, how many soldiers do they have and how many soldiers do I have? You know, so, well, several connections really between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. That's one. Another is their blend of, on the one hand, traditional theology. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is righteous. Every Hebrew and every prophet says that. But um, Ezekiel is innovative uh, in uh, this striking vision that, that asserts that Yahweh is not connected to Jerusalem. In the ancient world, they believed that particular deities were connected to particular places. And the Hebrews had said, Yahweh resides in the Holy of the Holies, in the temple in Jerusalem. And Ezekiel has this vision, and it recalls chapter one, the, the brightness, the gleaming, the throne, the wheel works under the throne, the living creatures under the throne, uh, but the significance of this vision is that the glory of the Lord rises up out of the temple in Jerusalem and comes down and settles by the Chabar River in Babylon, where the people are. The message is God is not connected to a place. God is connected to a people. And where God's people are, God is there. The wonderful And so you can see now, we talked about this with Jeremiah, there was a time that the message was repent, but that time is over. Disaster has come, and now we get a very kind of different message. Um, Like Jeremiah, Ezekiel says uh, accountability and responsibility are not only corporate, but also individual. Remember the proverb from Jeremiah, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Like Jeremiah, Ezekiel quotes that proverb in order to refute it, to say this is not what God wants us to say. And this, uh, like Jeremiah, this emphasis that renewal doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from circumcision and sacrifice and ritual purity. Renewal comes from the inside. uh, And Ezekiel This wonderful phrase, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And this message is so important because um, this is the greatest crisis in the lives of these people. The loss, think, think about Judaism was defined by the covenant. What was the promise of the covenant? 
many descendants and a land for them to live in. Well, the land is gone. What was what was the highlight of worship in Judaism? The temple. The temple is gone. Who was the greatest leader in the history of Israel? David, the, the mighty king. The kingship, the monarchy is gone. And so individually and collectively, the people began to say, has God written us off? Has God forgotten us? And so the last section of Ezekiel, the oracles of restoration, emphatically say, no, God has not forgotten you. God's mercy is greater than human sin. And in God's time, God will restore both the people and the land. So three really kind of significant passages or themes in those oracles of restoration. The true shepherd of Israel is the Lord. You have these human shepherds, but they're not perfect, even when they try, and some of them didn't even try. (laughs) But the Lord says, I myself will go out to all of the desert places and gather up the lost sheep and bring them home, bring them to the mountain of the Lord, and it will be established and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Uh, Maybe the best-known passage from Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones. Um, In this vision, Ezekiel is carried in the spirit to a valley where there had been a great battle, hundreds, maybe thousands of people slain over years and years and years. Uh, They've become skeletons, and the bones have been scattered, and, and God says, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel has learned enough by now to say, you know what? I don't know. When God is involved, maybe the impossible can be possible. And that happens. The bones reconnect. God breathes the breath of life into them. And they stood on their feet a vast multitude. And God says, The people in exile are in such great despair, they say, that our bones have dried out. But what I have done for these bones, I will do for my people. And, of course, this text is the basis for the song that we sang in church camp and at Bible school. The foot bone connected to the ankle bone. Ankle connected to the... Okay, that's Ezekiel. That's a good singer. Um. And then uh, the the highlight of these oracles of restoration is the new temple in the new Jerusalem. Uh, Ezekiel takes about six chapters to describe the reclaiming of the land, the new temple. I mean, he describes gates and doors and altars and hallways and, you know, everything about the temple. But the highlight of that is the glory of the Lord comes from the east and re-enters the Holy of Holies in the temple. So God is once again uh, where the people are going to be in the time of renewal uh, and is once again metaphorically the king of Israel. And you can hear in that, that's a vision for the people collectively. Uh, The land will be restored, the temple will be restored, the monarchy will be restored. But there is also in in Ezekiel this wonderful vision of individual restoration, and that might be a good place for us to wrap up. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
I will put my spirit within you and I will make you follow my statutes and be careful to absorb, observe my ordinances. And then you will live in the land that I gave to your ancestors. And you will be my people and I will be your God. Wonderful. I don't want to wrap up because I have some questions. Okay. Alan does too. That's where I'm going to wrap up. Okay. That sounds good. I think, and I don't know if this is a question, but just a thought. So like so many books of the Bible, um, and especially I feel like in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament too, there's this constant up and down. Like we're in war, we can't grieve, but then there's this like beautiful message of hope and that you're not alone and that you're, you know, and I don't know, it's not a question really, but it's just like, I think something that needs to like be hammered in a little bit more um, because that is how life is too. I mean, expect we've talked about this several times, but especially right now, you know, that all that is going on um, in Israel and, you know, all of that, but even in our own country, you know, or even in our own lives, you know, whatever it may be, you know, I feel closer to God when I read these books of the Bible because it happened to other people. It's not the first time. And these words of hope continue to be brought into my face. Yeah. And I think it's especially important in December, in Advent, as we prepare for Christmas. Every day we see a commercial in which somebody's trying to sell us something, (laughs) but it says, make this the most perfect Christmas ever. This, the Christmas they will always remember. Listen, Christmas is not going to be perfect. Our lives are not perfect. This world is not perfect. Um, But that's the whole point of the Christmas message was in this broken, painful world. God says, I care too much about them to let them go through it by themselves. So I'm going to come and be with them. Well, isn't that interesting? That's the Jesus message. That's also the Ezekiel message. The Mm -hmm. Israel's are in the Chabar River. They've lost the land. They've lost the temple. They've lost their nation. Are we doomed? And God says, I care too much about the people to let them go through this by themselves. What about you, Alan? What what does it bring up for you? I think that, I mean, anytime we're in the prophets, right? What you're talking about, Mary Balfour, it's ever present that, you know, what is the message of God in the midst of suffering, whatever it is, exile, war, famine, a valley of dry bones. And I think you, you hinted, I mean, Tony, you said the most famous passage from here, the valley of the dry bones. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's our hope. I mean, we don't sit out, we're not in the midst of famine and, and bloodshed and all that. And so we're not, there's not a literal valley of dry bones, but our lives sometimes feel dry. And yeah. I asked that question. We asked that question. Can these dead things come back to life? Yeah. And I love how you said it. Like Ezekiel knows enough by now to say, <laughs> I don't know, but we can ask God and find out. Yeah. Cause on the surface, the answer is no, these bones can't live, but yeah. He, he's yeah. He's like the perfect, even, answer, right? Because yeah. he, he's smart enough to, to say, let's talk to God about that. You know, like, and I have to remember that. And I'm sure the two of you have to remember that when people yeah. are like, 
why is this? You know, we have to remember, well, let's talk to God about that. (laughs) And even there, like I think about the Valley of the Dry Bones, and if I remember my Bible right, like it doesn't take at first, right? Like they connect everything, and then the first time it's like, the bones aren't just jumping around. Like there needs to be another comeback and more connective tissue and more of all of that. And so we want to think God's peace and presence and love is just magic. Right. We've lived long enough to know that it doesn't always make it feel better immediately. Sometimes it takes a bit of time, but God's healing is there. God's hope is there. God's presence is there. Well, thank you, Tony, so much for, um, always teaching us and helping us learn. And um, I think it's interesting, like you said, during this Advent season that we're talking about, you know, this, um, some of these prophets and, and the way that they lived um, and the way they had to lead, you know, Christmas is not the same for Alan, Mary Alpha and Tony as it is for lots of people. That's not for you to feel sorry for us. It's just different than what it is for other people, right? But being a leader means sometimes you take on things that you might yeah. not yeah. want to, you know? We I would started by talking about the weight. Say yeah. that again. We started by talking about the weight of, of delivering God's message. And then at the same time, there is this, this privilege of being, of getting yes. Exactly. And that's what, that's what I was, you, you took the words out of my mouth. It's a total privilege, but I sometimes but there's, I but there's a call. Call on Christmas morning, you know? So, I mean, you know, they're all, and you hold both of those spaces and mm-hmm. Israel did that really, really well. So thank you, Tony. We appreciate you so much. Um, and listeners, as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does. 